On the first episode of Spoko Radio, we let the listeners get to know the brand new show on the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast. We share our Iowa football stump speeches, debate hypothetical outcomes if Iowa wins the Big Ten Championship, and play love it or leave it with the East Division over-under win totals. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the boom. unbeaten no more piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes but when his number was called seven got six Welcome to Spoko Radio from Blackheart Gold Pants SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes most of you know Jerry Sherwin from his blogging on the site, and today his friends he made from countless trips to our beloved Spoko have joined the site to bring you a new perspective on Iowa athletics. So next to me right now, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. It's a beautiful Chicago uh, summer day, so I'm doing great. Just finished working a Cubs-Sox game. It's summer. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. And visiting us this weekend, it's Jerry Sherwin, Blackheart Gold Pants' own Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how excited are you to have your boys with you on a, on a new podcast? It feels great to be back in God's country. I got you guys with me. We're taking over the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast community with the help of those guys over at the Pants Party. So hopefully we make this thing great. Can't wait. I'm your host, DC. Again, we are three friends who met at the University of Iowa and have since... Moved away from the great state of Iowa, but we are still very, very passionate about the Hawkeyes, and we plan to bring you some weekly reactions, some previews, some laughs, some tears. We're going to bring it all to you guys uh, on the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast feed, so be sure you're following us. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, at Jerry Sherwin, at Shy People's Champ, and I am at Dave Cray. We will talk Hawkeyes with you at all times. And guys, we're a new show. We're a new show. People don't know who we are, what we believe in, what we're most passionate about when it comes to the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I thought, what a great way to get started to introduce us to our new audience by doing what Iowa does best, kick off our campaign with a stump speech of sorts about the Iowa Hawkeyes. The goal is to just talk about something Iowa football related that you are passionate about. Jer, we're going to start with you because I feel like you have a good way to jump and get us going and get the get the people riled up for football season. You know, DC, they said this day would never come. They said our sights were set too high. They said that Iowa Hawkeyes were too disillusioned and too content to ever come together around a common purpose. But on this July night, at this defining moment in Iowa Hawkeye football history, I'm here to tell you that the La Familia de Forense are going to do the unthinkable this year. They will do what the state of Michigan hasn't done since the Big Ten Championship game's beginning. They will do what Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota and Purdue can only dream of. They will do what only one other Big Ten team has ever done before. The 2019 season will bring together Hawkeyes everywhere in solidarity. 
from the great stretches of farmland that make up God's country to the small towns and big cities, Iowa Hawkeye fans will have the opportunity to finally stand up and say what we are one Hawkeye nation. We are a college football powerhouse, and the shift in the Big Ten has finally come. The time has come to move beyond the bitterness and pettiness and anger that's consumed the college football playoff, because together we have A.J. Epinesa, Nate Stanley, and Tristan Wirfs building a season of change. A season that will go down as the best Iowa City has ever seen, and that perfection will produce a chill of excitement unlike anything this great red, white, and blue country has ever seen before. Together. Together, the Hawkeyes will finally meet the challenges that we, as a fan base, have faced throughout the Ferentz era. Together, the Hawkeyes will finally meet the challenges that we, as a fan base, have faced throughout the Ferentz era. Together, they will do more than just win, graduate, and do it right. For an I now proclaim that 2019 is the season that we will not only cling to hope, but we ride on the gilded black and yellow wings of perfection as the Iowa Hawkeyes not only win the Big Ten West, not only win the Big Ten Championship, but they go to the college football playoff and make the national title game. I know how hard it's going to be. It will come with little sleep and a lot of sacrifice. There will be series of disappointment, of worry. But sometimes, just sometimes, there are seasons like this. A seasons that years from now, when we take our children into the hollow land that is Kinnick Stadium and see the 2019-20, 2021-22, 2022-23 banners hanging at Kinnick Stadium in the rafters, we'll be able to look back in pride. They are a team that will build a consistent and national contender, brick by brick, block by block, calloused hand by calloused hand. Together they will do this. Together we will watch this. Together we will ride together. Thank you, Iowa. So everyone listening at home, you will quickly, quickly realize that Jerry is forever the optimist of Spoko Radio. He believes all the time. This is also the perfect time of the year for Jerry because he's always riding a football high. He's been missing football. He's ready for it to come. And he inherently believes that every one of the teams that he roots for will have successful seasons. But Jerry's not only predicting one successful season. He is, what was that, three straight national championships? Well, he, sk- he skipped a year in the, those banners. Well, yeah, you got to skip one. He went from three. like 1920 to 20, and then he said 2022. So I think maybe we we're just not playing the 2021 season, or we're not gonna we're not gonna relinquish our title. I mean, we're not gonna actually like defe- defend our title next year. There's always that one year with the Kirk Ferentz era. I just want to build that in, and then the wave of recruits, the waves of five stars. The wave of tight ends and O-linemen is just going to come. And Iowa's going to be a powerhouse. We're going to be the next Clemson. I mean, if if Kirk Ferentz becomes the next Dabo and starts dancing in the locker room, that would be a sight to see. Could be Brian. That, Could that, be Brian. That brings me to, to my speech. It's time for Iowa football to get serious. Look around the Big Ten, and what do you see? Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, they're all in some type of transition in the East. Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Minnesota each have questions about their quarterbacks. Levy Smith is still trying to capture the magic he had in 2006. And Nebraska, well, Nebraska is still living in the 90s, so they won't even hear this, so let's leave them alone. (laughs) Now, what do I mean when I say it's time for Iowa football to get serious? Well, my friends, as the great Matthew McConaughey once said in a Lincoln commercial, sometimes you have to go back to actually move forward. What I mean, Hawkeye Nation, is that it's time for our fearless leader, to transition the head coach role to his son, Brian Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz has done a tremendous job as the head coach of the Hawkeyes, and he should hold on to his title until he chooses to retire. 
My vision is for him to relinquish full control of his game day duties to his offensive and defensive coordinators. Now, before certain members of our audience freak out, allow me to share an example of a coaching change that instilled swagger and confidence to its players and fan base that they have not seen since 1985. The Chicago Bears have never been known as a forward-thinking, innovative franchise. They'd rather rely on the, on the peanut punch or ridiculous Devin has to return for points than reliable quarterback play. No one epitomized that ethos more than John Fox. He was given a rookie QB to develop and instead asked him to hand the ball off and then come off the field. Well, Ryan Pace flipped the Bears' history on its head and hired a young, offensive-minded head coach who still acknowledges and honors the history the Bears represent. And the results in year one have rejuvenated a fan base and organization that now rightfully has Super Bowl aspirations. I share the story because Iowa has a chance to do something very similar. Brian Ferentz will not be the head coach like Matt Nagy, but he will have the full control of the offense. He no longer would have to call the repeated outside zone runs that aren't working. He'll have full authority to make changes to the game plan in the moment. He'll be able to leverage the years of playing and coaching for the best and brightest coaching minds in football and apply that experience to elevate Iowa football to the modern age and sustained winning. Brian Ferentz is everything Iowa football stands for. He knows the history of their program because he literally grew up in the program. There is, not a, there is not a better man to lead the next 20 years of Iowa football. It's time for him to have full control of the offense and to take Iowa football to the next level on the field while his dad leads from afar. I was, I was very passionate. I like both of the speeches. Very passionate. Brian Ferentz, that's going to... I might have a little different take on that, but... We'll get to that in a second. I think the big thing you'll find with all of us, Hawkeye Nation, is three Chicago boys born and raised. We will make parallels to our Chicago teams that we root for quite, quite frequently. Well, that's And that's part of this, too. Like That's the reason why I think, at this point, Iowa is a real contender, not only just to win the Big Ten West, but to win the Big Ten Championship. And if they can continue to move on, it all is going to hinge on the offense. Like, I trust Phil Parker with everything that I, I like. I have. I know that Kirk's going to get that offensive line up and running. I know they're going to have good two good tight ends. I don't even know who their names are at this point. Like, there's, there's four guys there that are competing for a couple spots. But for this offense to be able to put up points and for Nate Stanley to then take a step to become, like, a first-round NFL-type quarterback, that's how this is going to happen. My, my stump speech happens by Brian taking over. I 100% agree. I think we see we saw it firsthand last year. What a guy who has full control and the full authority to do whatever he wants to do offensively, and when that's a more modern thinking, forward thinking offense that opens that wants to open it up, that wants to be creative, that wants to do all the window dressing, it keeps defenses on their toes. It's actually being offensive on offense as opposed to being reactive, and that is something Iowa football has been lacking. And something that we very easily saw year one of Matt Nagy for the Bears that should be able to easily translate to, to Iowa City. Brian Ferentz is a super smart guy. He says all the right things. And sometimes to me, and this is where the, this whole speech came from, I feel like he has his hand tied behind his back because Kirk is, forcing, Kirk is forcing certain things that he knows has worked in the past 20 years. And great, and sometimes it does. Sometimes you just have sure. to go back to your bread and butter. You need to have a bread and butter, and I will always have a power run game that they can rely on. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well. But to me, that needs to be willing to take more chances. The biggest thing, frustration thing for me last year was seeing Noah Fant sitting on the sidelines so frequently. 
He was a first-round draft pick in the NFL, and he was sitting on the bench way too often when the offense needed to put together drives. And to me, that's something that needs to change, and I think that comes without knowing, without having any inside info, anything like that. To me, that feels like that comes from the head coach. I will say it already seems like Brian's kind of taking the reins a little bit. If you just look at the simple thing of like what happened this last couple of weeks with recruiting. The fact that Iowa just had 20 people give a verbal commitment to already come and join the program. And then you have like a guy like Deuce Hogan who's giving like speeches to these kids at these, these tailgate events. I think Brian and the rest of the coaching staff and these recruiting coordinators that they've hired understand where college football is at. And Kirk's kind of let them do what they know is best. Well, I'm glad you guys have brought up Brian Ferentz because my speech has a lot to do with him. I will begin. My fellow Hawkeyes, the offense flat out needs to be better. And who is that on? That's on Brian Ferentz, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody's hyping up Brian Ferentz like he's God's gift to earth. He's the next offensive innovator. Blah, 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 blah. I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I have not seen it from Brian Ferentz. Let's talk about the run game to start. 94th ranked run game nationally and 95th in yards per game. That's flat out unacceptable. When you have a first round talent at left tackle, at right tackle, and Tristan Worse, Worfs, sorry, and Alaric Jackson on the left side, those are two top end tackles. You should be able to pound the living shit out of the football when running it. You should not be ranked 94th nationally. That's that's flat out bad. You need to be able to run the football, whether it's Mackay Sargent, whether it's Torn Young. One of these guys needs to take over as the lead back and just pound the football. I don't want to hear about all the gimmicks and blah, blah, blah with Brian Ferentz. You need to go back to your bread and butter like you guys talked about. Running the football to set up the pass game. This is Iowa. Wisconsin does it every year, and they're damn good. Why can't Iowa be the same thing? Why can't Iowa run the ball 55 60% of the time to create for the pass? Now let's get to the passing game and our wonderful Nate Stanley, who in the fourth quarter last year, as Jerome pointed out before the show, was 44 for 90 with one touchdown and two interceptions. In the entire season, the guy threw one fourth quarter touchdown. Why is that happening? You're in the fourth quarter, yes, they may have been winning some games, going in you know, late, up some touchdowns, and you're running the ball a little more. But to have one fourth quarter touchdown from a junior quarterback that has plenty of snaps with Iowa is flat out ridiculous. This guy is going into a senior year. He needs to put up more points. He needs to play a hell of a lot better in the fourth quarter if he thinks he's going to be even a second, third, fourth-round draft pick. And that's all back to Brian Ferentz. If he's this offensive guru that everybody keeps talking about, let's see it. Let's see him pound the ball for four or five yards of carry and let Nate Stanley throw it all over the place after setting teams up. By running the ball, the play-action game can be a hell of a lot better. I need to see more from Brian Ferentz, and I think Iowa fans should expect more from Brian Ferentz in this offense this season. So, Champ, are you opposed to Brian Ferentz being either named coach, head coach in waiting or 
taking over or being more having more authority in the offense, or is that what you want to see? I need to see him do more. If if you want to talk about him being appointed the head coach, I don't think he's earned the, the a head coaching job. Kirk Ferentz has earned being the head coach of Iowa football, and until Kirk Ferentz wants to leave, he should be the head coach. We shouldn't. Even, I hate the coach in waiting. By the way, one of the stupidest things in college football. Yeah, let's just say, oh yeah, you're going to be the coach in nine years when Kirk retires. Like. Who gives a shit? We don't need to hear that. I mean, we all know it's probably going to happen if Kirk leaves. Brian's probably going to take over. But I need to see more from Brian. I don't I don't need to have him taking over completely like you guys are talking about. Kirk can still be a little, you know, have his hand in there and help out when needed. Kirk's done it. Brian hasn't. Sorry. Kirk's the CEO at this point. And as, okay. and as the CEO, I agree. Like, yes, he needs to go. If there's critical points of the game, he's going to be the one still making the decision. If it's a fourth and one and they're they're close enough to either punt or go for it, then yes, that's on Kirk. If there's a couple times where he's like, I know this play is going to work, here's why, then yeah, Kirk needs to do that. But it's time for Brian and the new type of offense, offense for college football to then make it be more vocal. But to that point, though, when it's fourth and one, like, and granted, yes, we've seen gambling Kirk a little bit more recently, but a still, lot more. I still think he's going to default to the conservative approach. He's going to punt it away and let the defense take over. That's just—it's not. I mean, analytically, we've seen it's—it doesn't make sense on fourth and one or on third and three to, you know, limit your playbook when you can run. You can run a ball, run two plays instead of one play. I think this is telling that he trusts Phil Parker more. But if this is the season that he finally starts letting Brian make these decisions and make these calls on fourth and one where he could easily just punt it away, I think that's hit very telling that Kirk believes in his son is is ready to go. I, I have a question. You got? I think it was Jerry who brought up Noah Fant. One of no, maybe it was DC. Dave. It was Dave DC brought up Noah Fant. Uh, why do you think he was on the bench? Do you put that all on Kirk? I put that on Brian. If you can't identify that these guys are your most talented players and they should be on the field 95% of the time, I don't necessarily blame that on Kirk Ferentz. Kirk is, like you said, the CEO, the head coach. He then hires offensive coordinators to be able to make these decisions. And Noah Fant being on the sideline, down six at, against Northwestern, not playing that entire final series is ridiculous. And I put that on his son. It's not on Kirk. I think it's on them both, honestly. Okay, well then. I mean, there's, there's things to this too, though, that like Noah Fant wasn't as good as of a, a run blocker, so that's why he got taken out. And well, they weren't running the ball anyway last year, so what does that have to do with it? That's true, too. 94th nationally in the run. I think I saw something where they didn't even get an 800-yard rusher for the first time. I mean, like, it's utterly you pathetic. were in college, honestly. Yeah, and that's a long time ago. I'm getting old now. I've been out of, out of college for 10 years now. I, I can feel it in my body. Yeah, I mean, I... I truly believe, and I, maybe it's because I've spent so much time with Jared that I've become a sucker for good, pervasive language and speeching and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Brian Ferentz says a lot of good things that I I eat up and that I love to hear. But then on game day, we don't always see it. And so I, there needs to be a time where if Kirk Ferentz is going to leave and they're just going to hand the reins over to Brian Ferentz, which I think a lot of Iowa fans just assume what's going to be happening, Yeah, I need to be a little bit more comfortable with that. And to me, that's... Giving control, letting him, letting him, you know, back up what he's saying on on the sidelines. So if Iowa goes ten and two, wins the Big Ten West, and loses in the Big Ten championship, but goes to a a, a Holiday Bowl, I, the, and the offense, Stanley has thirty touchdowns. There's an actually a thousand yard uh, rusher this season. Is that not good enough? Or do we need to see that next step to actually go and win the Big Ten championship? Is that not good enough for what? Tr- 
trusting Brian Ferentz? Yes, I mean, we're talking about Brian now at this point. So okay. I'm curious on what is going to get you over that hump. Uh, Nate, Nate Stanley needs a, to be a top five quarterback in the nation, five to ten in that range. He needs he needs to show that he's Good luck, Brian. He's the he he needs to show he's one of the top two quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I think Nate Stanley can do that this year. I mean, the quarterback this play this year in the Big Ten is not going to be very strong. He needs to show he's the best and have. Better fourth, better fourth quarters. Better the, touch. The people on the field need to be intelligent. He not he doesn't need to be sitting his top end players because they can't run block. Let's say if he can't run block, put him in the fucking slot and let him go catch a pass. Thank it's you. It's not difficult. So that's on Brian. I, you everybody likes to blame Kirk for this. Is it is that on Brian? Like there could be specific edicts on like how to use personnel. And how, I mean, we and how to call and how to not be super aggressive when you're even trying to catch. We, I mean, we don't know the ends of what happens in the locker room with Kirk and Brian, but I would just have to assume that Brian has control over who he gets to put on the field. Because if he doesn't have that control, then he's not a true offensive coordinator, and that's you know that's right. Not, and then this whole thing's moved. Yeah, he can't exactly. Be in charge if of he's personnel. not in charge of personnel or in charge of the guy in charge of personnel. That that's there's nothing we should even be talking about. And if about. Kirk can't fully trust the guy that went through the Patriots program to learn yeah. how to do all Literally this, literally learned under the best football coach of all time, probably well, in Bill Belichick. With. Yes. So if that's not the case, then we're in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's there's, yeah, I think we're all very excited for what Iowa football is going to be this year, but there's also a lot of just looming questions that. It can go a lot of different ways, and I'm very very curious to see how it is. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll go into our next little hypothetical debate that we'll kick around for you guys. Be right back. All right, guys, another well-known Iowa motto, mantra, is break the rock. So we're going to have a little fun and break the rock and try to debate and break each other's rocks in our heads. <laughs> on an Iowa football topic that we want to kind of debate and, and throw around. It could be hypothetical. It could be real life. We're in July. There's nothing super serious to talk about as it relates to college football. So we had a little, little fun hypothetical coming to from Jared this week. Is Mr. Mr. Optimus himself, if Iowa was, does win the Big Ten title this year, which is more likely to happen? Kirk retires and Brian takes over or... Kirk stays, and Brian and Phil Parker both leave for head coaching opportunities. Jerry, this was your hypothetical question, so I'll let you say which one, which one you think is most likely to happen. My biggest concern and worry is that Phil Parker is going to leave Brian Ferentz behind. And I think it's a done deal. I think Brian's the next head coach. I think it's already been worked out. I have a very good feeling that Kirk Ferentz is eventually going to become the AD somehow too, and he's just going to be our Barry Alvarez. And this whole Iowa thing's going to be run by the the Ferentz. That's why I call him La Familia de Ferentz. But if Phil Parker, if if, if Kirk wins the Big Ten this year, and he's like, you know what, that's the perfect end. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it quits here. There's we're gonna lose our quarterback. We're going to lose our defensive end. We might lose the other defensive end as well. We're going to lose two tackles that I brought up that have been playing for me since they were freshmen. That's probably our best receiver as well. Probably, yeah. Probably the best receiver we've seen, and that's saying something considering we were all there with DJK and Marvin McNutt, who we hold high and, and dear to our hearts. No, let's let's not call him Marvin McNutt quite yet. So let's let him see what Athletically, he, he should be one of the – Should be and is are two different well, things. Well, this is me we're talking about, and I get hyped up forever on videos. And I, if you, you give me one locker room speech, I'll love you forever. But my biggest concern is Brian's going to be the guy in waiting, as you said, champ. 
and Phil Parker is going to finally take be able to. He doesn't even need a Mac school. Somebody else in the Big Ten. What if somebody like let's say Indiana. Yeah, what if he just goes there and now we have to go against him? All, Brian's going against Phil Parker. You don't think I trust Phil Parker to beat Brian Ferentz? Oh, before. yeah, 100%. So, my biggest concern is Phil Parker is going to be the guy that people identify because his defense is going to have, they're going to probably be the, the best uh, sack defense in the country. Does, doesn't Phil Parker, as a head coach, give you Lovey Smith vibes? He's not going to finally figure out the offensive side of it. He's going to hire guys like Norv Turner, or, or uh, not even Norv, Ron, his brother, Ron, Ron Turner. Turner. Yeah, Exactly. Like, does, like, it, like, I love Phil Parker, don't get me wrong, but I also love Lovey Smith, but he never figured out the offense. And he very well could, but I think it's the, the opportunity for him to go to be a head coach. Like, does he want that? That's the real question. Like, does Phil Parker want to go? How old is old? Phil Parker? That's a great question. I could look that up for you. He's probably, I mean, he's got to be in his late 50s, I would guess. I mean, he's not young, so. But, again, bringing the Bears back. 56 years old. 56, But bringing the Bears back, I know, look at Vic Fangio. Look how long it took for him. Yeah, I mean, this is probably, the next two or three years are probably realistically his last shot at being a head coach. Because once you get to 60, there's really not a lot of first-time head coaches that are, you know, 60 years old or above. So, yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with Cher. I think... Uh, it's more. What's more likely is that you know Brian takes over as head coach, and and Phil just leaves. It's like he he gets sick of it, and it wants to be head coach. Yeah, he gets a better opportunity. And yeah, I, I could definitely see a scenario where if Iowa has a great a great season, let, let's not say they even win the Big Ten championship. Let's say they go to the Big Ten championship and they play in a in a good you know New Year's Day bowl, like Jer said. I definitely can see Ferentz walking away after a season like that, knowing what he's losing after this year, and just you know riding off into the sunset. He's made plenty of money, like you said, he might end up being the AD and make more money doing that as well, and. And then his son just takes over, right? That that would be my if I had to pick, I would think that would be more likely. What if playing the scenario in the in the question, Iowa wins the Big Ten title, even going back to Jerry's speech, they're in the college football playoff and they don't necessarily get the national championship game, but there's they make the playoff. Let's just say that. Going back to Scott Dockerman had a mailbag in the athletic recently where one of the questions he was asked is how long is Kirk Ferentz going to stick around? And his best guess was probably like three, I don't remember exactly, but around three years. And so even if that happens, I can totally see Kirk saying. And I would say Brian might not go to a head coach somewhere. But what if our old, his old dear mentor Bill Belichick retires and Josh McDaniels becomes the head coach of the New England Patriots. And he calls his buddy Brian Ferentz to be his new OC for the New England Patriots. I think that's a super likely scenario. I think you can lose Brian Ferentz and Phil Parker in the, in the offseason if Iowa has a great year, if other things break well. I think Brian Ferentz is very well respected in the NFL circles. And I think if he gets more control of the offense and shows some more advanced thinking, the hot new trend is to bring college coaches in. If they're doing more innovative things that have a little bit of an NFL wrinkle to it, why won't a team bring him in, even if it's not as a head coach, it's just as an OC? And, and Phil Parker, I, I do think he's going to get a head coaching job. I think he's he's well-respected. And so I, I do think there's a real possibility where Brian Ferentz does the Kirk Ferentz thing. He leaves and comes back as head coach. He's got so much like Mark D'Antonio in him, I feel like, for Phil Parker. Which, if yeah. he goes to a program like that, I think he can make it successful. But, yeah. Uh, who hurts more at that point? Because like, if, if Kirk 
stays, but Brian goes and Phil goes. Like, is Kirk and Chris Doyle basically enough? No. It makes me very nervous. Is Kirk and Chris Doyle enough to keep those 20 recruits in there? No. Makes right. me really nervous. So, like, that's, that's I mean. Yeah, but at, this, at the same token, if Kirk leaves and Parker leaves and it's just Brian, is Brian enough to keep those 20 is recruits? Is Chris Doyle still there? No. Like, that, Kirk is <laughs> well, hey, no. much more of a cachet than his son. Come on. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And, but... In Jerry's scenario, in Jerry's hypothetical, where Kirk becomes an AD, if he's still in the athletic department, Chris Doyle's staying around. He's I, not going that, anywhere. Yeah. And he's he, the highest paid strength coach in the country. He's not going anywhere else for a different job. He's been doing it for 21 years there. His yeah. son, isn't it, wait, isn't his son on the team? Uh, probably. Whose son isn't on the team at this point? Well, that's true. I, I can see Brian Ferentz staying with, he with is Chris on the team. Doyle. He's like a linebacker. And all the offensive assistants are going to stay, all the young guys. Yeah, if they go to the big and went, like that's the thing though, how many like Alabama coordinators and stuff have been p- taken away? Oh, a bunch. Like, they always try to take people from Saban's, but it never works. So why go that? Go the go the Dylan, other route. Dylan Doyle is a backup linebacker. Yes. I just pulled up the depth chart. Good call. Freshman, redshirt freshman. Yeah. yeah. Who's probably already jacked as shit. Yeah, he'll probably end up taking over. Maybe probably, <laughs> that's it. He was probably jacked in kindergarten. Brian, Brian Ferentz, and then Chris Jack Doyle will be the next uh, twenty-seven years of Iowa. D- Dylan Doyle. Dylan Doyle. <laughs> Jared's not great with names. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's a, the follow-up question is: How many more years do you think Kirk is on the sidelines? I think he. Because, well, before you answer that, because I think we all agree he's done plenty to completely determine when he wants to retire. Iowa could go in the complete tank. And it's still going to be on him when he when he wants to retire. Yeah, yeah, he'll never get fired. No. I was not firing Kirk Ferentz. I I would say a good over under is two and a half years. I if are you if taking the over or the under? Gun to the head, I take over. I think he's he's he coaches for three or four more years. Jared, what do you think? I just to me it all depends. Like he's only sixty three. I think he can keep going. I think we are in a Bill Snyder situation. I can just see Kirk just he's going not coaching on, and on and on. He, all right, he said he does not want to go much past 70. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, that's I would take years. the over then. I'd take the over on the two and a half. I would set it with this new recruiting class coming in, Brian, maybe two or three. Maybe it's just over two and a half. So three years. Yeah. I'll say four years. If I... I said because this recruiting class, he probably maybe wants to see it through. That's four years. Then he, you know, then his son hopefully has enough experience as the OC, you know, managing a room where he can take over as head coach. Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. But I think it also depends too if this AD thing could possibly happen. Like I, there's another thing from Doctor Min or maybe it was somebody else. It could have been Mascasa that said like Kirk literally doesn't watch TV shows, he just goes home and he, like, watches baseball. Like, is Kirk Ferris really just going to watch baseball for the rest of his days? He's only 63. Like, that's... I mean, yeah. I watched three hours worth of baseball today and I almost fell asleep, like, eight times. Baseball's a wonderful sport. I mean, if you like it like Kirk does... It's America's sport. Don't Wrestling's dis- America's sport. Don't disrespect na- the national pastime of baseball. It's Fourth of July weekend and he's disrespecting America. And the Sox just beat the Cubs today. Wonderful day. Come on. You need I to pander to your audience better. <laughs> yeah, I know. All the Iowa fans love the Cubs. Sorry, guys. I'm a diehard Sox fan, baby. 
uh, I, I just and, and there could be a, a rule where I think which would you prefer? I so what do you most likely think? Which would you prefer? Would you prefer Kirk stays and the coordinators leave? Do we just win the Big Ten championship? Yes, I would prefer Kirk to ride off in the sunset. So I always have that vision of Kirk because if that program does fall apart, like you mentioned, that like he could get to that point, he still won't be fired. To me, that's going to tarnish everything again. Remember how things were in twenty was it fifteen? It's not so long ago that things not were not looking pretty blue. You wanted to run Kirk the fuck out. I know, of the city, but they I'll lost every recruit. Mr. Positive and Optimism let's, over there well, first, wanted Kirk out of Iowa let's State. That wasn't even back to 2015. I, there was discussions last year during the Big Ten Championship when we were in New York watching the Bears Giants game of I just, what are what is Iowa and it should Kirk Ferentz still be leading this team? I just wanted them to use their tools that they've built. Use your NFL pipeline to get these guys. The fact, and they are. They're getting kids in. They have four-star recruits. They're in on the two biggest tight ends in the class. They're they're always going to develop offensive linemen. That's all I wanted. Is okay, but, fill in but that Kirk has also shown that he doesn't need four- and five-star recruits but it makes it to easier. get them to the NFL. He's shown he can take two-star, three-star guys and make them great but the, and get them the, to the, the league. The problem with that, Champ, is that that's very, very cyclical. You need those guys to go through their freshman and sophomore years, get stronger, and then they're able to contribute. Four and five star guys come in, they are already ready to compete. They are already super athletic. They can come in and contribute freshman by the latest sophomore year, and you have that continuous cycle and waves of talent. Look what Phil Parker's done with some of these like three star guys that he's gotten. They've come in as like ready to play freshmen, and he's put them in and played them. And if you continuously get three, four, five star guys that are ready to play football their freshman year. And don't necessarily have to have that full redshirt year under Doyle. Like then it just makes your job easier. It does. That's Big Ten West point. titles should be a staple. Like they should be trading off with Wisconsin at this point until Nebraska's up there. They need to. They need a while to catch up to the 2015-20 season. <laughs> They're still in the nineties. Hi, Nebraska fans. Um, all right. I mean, I, I yeah. I just think I am. Think I would prefer Kirk to write off as well. I'd rather just let Brian take over. If this this season is as as successful as we all kind of th- are, are not quite a hundred percent there yet, but I think we're all easily talked into it. I think it makes sense for Brian to write off and then trying to keep Phil. I think if not, I I fully trust Brian to have a rolodex of coaches in his desk drawer waiting to kind of build his staff on. Yeah, it's gonna be Matt Patricia after he gets canned by the Lions. That's fine with me. Whatever. He was pr- proved to be a good defensive coordinator with New England. I don't even be my head coach. There'd be a really cool pencil shirt that you could have. I would probably make it. He's a complete dickhead to the media, though, Matt Patricia. Well, he, college coordinators don't talk to the media, so it's That's fine. true. Yeah, you get like one time. All right, guys. Let's uh, shift gears to another thing that we love here on Spoko Radio. It is gambling. We're going to kind of try to do a weekly gambling segment that we're going to call Love It or Leave It. We'll find something to kind of run through and do a little gambling on. This week, last week, I don't remember totally when that happened, but... Caesars released the win totals for the college football Big Ten teams, and I figured, you know what? Why don't we run through these? We have I have all fourteen teams here. We're at about thirty-five minutes. Do we want to do the whole conference, or we don't want to do just one of the divisions today? No, uh, let's just do the West. Why don't we save the West for next week then? Okay, keep let's people, do these. Keep people coming back for more. They want they want Iowa. Yeah, you gotta listen to two shows to get to Iowa. Yeah, Probably if you don't that. like us, you gotta listen to one more just to hear our prediction <laughs> about Iowa. All right, let's do the, let's go through the Big Ten East. Hey, the way it's gonna work is I'm gonna read you guys the team, they're over under, and if you love 
if you love either either side of it, or if you're gonna leave it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna bet it at all. Okay, got it. Glad. All right, let's go through the East. This is if I screw this up, it's because I don't know my geography because the Big Ten uh, Caesar just listed it uh, in alphabetical order. So we're gonna start with uh, Michigan State. Their over under is eight wins. Champ, love it or leave it. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna leave that. I think they can easily. You know, go under that another underwhelming year, but then they can also come back and be strong again under D'Antoni. So I'm I'm not gonna touch that one. Eight, that seems about right, but I'm not gonna touch it. No, he's gonna leave it. Jerry, what, what do you got? I'm also leaving it. They're seven and six last year. I feel like Michigan State is always hovering around that eight win mark. It's stupid money to go in and put it down. Can I? Is this this is just regular season wins, or does this include the bowl? To- game? This is total season wins. So it includes the bowl. Correct. Game. It includes okay. the bowl game. Yeah. I feel like eight is right on the mind. Eight yeah, and a half eight good. seems good. If I had a hook at seven and a half, I might, I might love it. You love hooks. I do love. He hooks. does does love the hooks. I'm leaving that as well. It's just a too high of a number for for my liking to pick a side. Next up is Rutgers. They're lying. It's it's bad. It's two and a half. Jay, we'll start with you. Are you? Do you love it? Or are you leaving? Hold on one second, because I'm pulling up the Rutgers football <laughs> schedule right now, because I need to know who they're out of conferences. I can tell you. I looked this up. So it's UMass. Yes. Uh, BC, Boston College. You. This is incredible. And I, what's their last one? I'm blanking on. Liberty? So, okay. Liberty. I feel like Liberty. So it's UMass. Then they come to Iowa City, Boston College. They play Liberty. But they're at Illinois. That's a far trip from New Jersey to Champaign. But Illinois blows. And Maryland, who so has Rutgers. They're over. Maryland's at three and, three and a half, too. We're going to get there. Don't ruin it. I know. It. I'm just saying. I'm going to take the... I love the over for Rutgers. Oh, I love the under <laughs> for Rutgers because I don't see them winning any Big Ten games. And they're not going... Is it in BC? I'm, they're not going to BC and winning. No, it's home. Okay, they're still not winning against BC. <laughs> so maybe they get to two with UMass and Liberty. Even that, UMass might be a stretch because they, I mean, they are about the same caliber as You don't Rutgers. think at Illinois can get the job done? No. The, the, on the, when is the last time you've seen Rutgers win a road Big Ten game? Maybe since they've joined the Big Ten, they might not have ever won one. So I love the under. I, I think, think they're definitely beating Iowa. I, I literally just too. thought the exact same thing. Champions jinxed it. I think Rutgers is not only not going to win two and a half games. I don't even think they'll win two. I think they're going to win one game. Do you think one team wins their uh, scarlet and white game? Yeah, Does that count? It, it might just end in a tie because they're both so pathetic. Um, I mean, so I'm going to take over. It just it seems so low. So low. So low. It just it's. It's too hard. tantalizing for you guys. That's what Vegas wants. They want you guys. Well, I mean, the the under. Hang on, I that's got the hook. Top of my phone. They had it at three, like they did for Michigan State at eight. Like I'd be like, no, it's it's a it's a wash at best. Yeah. The under is plus one thirty. The oh, over oh, the oh, over yeah, is I'm minus one thirty. Give me that. Big time, love it. All right, next up we have the Indiana Hoosiers. Their over under is six wins. They won. I'm gonna get you guys the total for last year as well. They were six and seven last year. Champ, we'll go with you. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna leave that one. I don't. Uh, they're about the same as Michigan State. Six seems about right for them. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that one. I'm not touching it. It was six and a half or six. 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 Oh, I'm going over. First of all, they start off Ball State. Eastern Illinois, and they play UConn and Rutgers. That's four right there. And Indiana's always good enough to be or Chaos spunky team. enough. Chaos team. Right. They just put up points. They're really fast. 
Do they still have a quarterback that has a number in the 20s? That's my question. <laughs> if that, if they do, then they can't win seven games. It's It's got to be like a logical fact that if you have a quarterback that's numbers are in the 20s, that you're a under 500 team. I might run to the FanDuel book when I get home and put this bet in right now. I believe in the Hoosiers. Who, who, who? I'm taking the over as well. I just, I, I think they're, they're a team on the rise and they kind of scare me. Next up, we have Maryland. They Jerry already said their over-under. It's three and a half this year. They won they five games last year. Jerry, what do you got? Um, they're they're not in a great place. I'm gonna t- I love the under for Maryland this year. I think Rutgers and then their numbers should be swapped if you really want to make it a little interesting. But Maryland's in a whole world of hurt coming up, and I don't want any part of it. Can we get a, a Maryland non-conference schedule? I would love to get that. Thank you. I haven't pulled up. So uh, <laughs> week one uh, against Howard, then they play uh, home against Syracuse at Temple. Uh, that's it. Only three. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no way. I love the under. They're not beating Syracuse. They might not beat Howard. They're not going to Temple and winning, and I don't see more than a win or two at the most in conference. So, yeah, I love the under. I'd pound the under on that. I mean, they have to play at Minnesota, Michigan, at Ohio State, Nebraska, at Michigan State to finish the season. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of losses. The Terrapin fans are not going to be happy this year. Just keep watching Scott Van Pelt and wait for basketball season. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to take, I love it. I'm going to take the under as well. Let's get to the big dogs in the East. Let's start with Michigan. They have a new offensive coordinator coming in. Their over-under is lofty. It is 10 and a half. Whoa! That seems way too high to me. I love the under. I could see Michigan being a 9 or 10 win team. 10 and a half seems very high. Considering that you can just pencil in a loss against Ohio State because Harbaugh has never beat him. Woo-hoo! We got some heat coming from Champ to kick the show off. Jay, what do you got? So they have Michigan State an eight, as an 8 win team. No, I'm going to take – I love the under, too. I really – you guys know that I love to believe in Michigan. You do. It's yeah. really weird. I really know told, I love to believe in Michigan. Remember when you told us that your future children would play at Michigan as an Iowa? I changed that up. Yeah. I recently changed he it up. because I changed his mind. I realize I'm going to have a very athletic guard, so it's going to make sense to send him to Iowa. Yeah, there we go. My future earnings are depending on it. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I just think the Big Ten schedule that they have to play is a little too lofty for them to get to that 11th win. I will take the over. I'm wow, a, you believe in the spread? I believe in the spread. I believe in Jim Harbaugh realizing he needs to... Back the fuck up? Exactly. He needs to do, he needs to do what I want Kirk Ferris to do, is just let go a little bit. Let go. He knows he needs to let go. And so I believe it. I think the 11th win comes in their bowl game, but I think... Yeah, that's way too long for me to have to chew that. Well, it, if, they do make, if they make the Big Tech Championship, they can potentially have two extra games, maybe even three, with if they're in the playoffs. So... Say they're at ten and two going to the Big Ten Championship, then all they have to do is win either the Big Ten Championship or their bowl game. So I mean, I could see an argument for eleven wins. I I just I just think they're a nine and three regular season team, and that doesn't get them in the Big Ten Championship, and then only leaves them one win, p- yeah. potentially one bowl victory. And this might change your mind a little bit too. It's Middle Tennessee State, Army, and then they play Notre Dame all at home. But I just think I think Army's a good football team too. Yeah, they're not going to beat Michigan, though. Notre Dame could go into Michigan and beat them, though. Yeah. Week two, though. And Iowa, so can, Iowa can go into Michigan and beat them. They've won five of the last six. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. I got the over. I'm the only one. I'm on an island there. Let's go to Penn State. Their over under is eight and a half. They won nine games a year ago. Jer, what do you got? So they lose the double Trace McSorley, who has completely just somehow found a way to beat Iowa two straight seasons. Sorry, champ. I know you're at both of those. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Um, <laughs> I like the over for Penn State. I just have this feeling that they're just they're always gonna find a way to like just kind of push them. Can we hear can we hear those three non conference games, please? Yeah, let me get that pulled up for you. We'll cut this wide air out. Yeah, we'll leave it in. We'll just, right. you know. Alright. So <laughs> Yeah, they're going to go three and zero right up to four and zero. Okay, then they play Iowa. So it's uh, they play Idaho at home, Buffalo at home, Pitt at home, at Maryland, versus Purdue at Iowa. Yeah, that sounds like probably five and zero going against Iowa. Yeah, they're I'll, I'll take the over nine wins seems. So I will say their last game to like potentially get to that before a bowl game or the Big Ten championship is Rutgers. Yeah. So it just. I think Penn State. Uh, there be sounds like an easy six wins right there that you've just named, and then uh, Iowa's their only tough game that you've named. I, I'm sure right, they the they obviously play. You let's, know, let's not overthink this. It's over. It's yeah. over. Yeah, it's it's over. It's nine. It maybe even ten. I, that might be a little low. It, they should have put that at nine. I think it's just because they have a new quarterback coming in. Honestly, like yeah, he like didn't. Yeah. Against that. he didn't look very good against Iowa. That quarterback that came in. He also played what a series. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He couldn't throw. He just ran. But we'll see. Let's not, let's not overthink it. It's over. All right, let's close things up with the defending conference champs, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Their over-under is 10. They won, I believe it was 13 games a year ago. Champ, wrap it up for this, us. This sounds like easy money to me. Like, Ohio State, dude, when do they not win at least 10 games? I mean, I can't remember a time where Ohio State was like a 7-5 and five team. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Ten wins, you know, they're going to play in a bowl game pretty much guaranteed. They're most likely going to make it. I think they're the best team in the East. They're most likely going to make it to the Big Ten Championship, so they'll potentially have two extra games to get that total. I love that. I can't believe Michigan is higher than Ohio State. That's ridiculous to me. Well, Michigan fans are like Cub fans. That is true. They love to bet. They just to bet on Michigan. Very true. So I wouldn't be surprised by the season starting, though, that number moves to 10.5 because 10 seems low to me. I think they're a shoe in for, you know, 10 wins. So I'll take, I love, that's my, out of all the teams we've said thus far, the, I would put the most money on Ohio State getting over 10 wins. Jerry, what do you got? I love the over as well. I think, so we kind of, we all have like an inside source on Ohio State athletics. We won't name his name, but from everything I've heard, this goes right back to like my Brian Farron stuff. He's like told me that Ryan Day just gets people jacked up. And I think, I think the majority of Ohio State fans believe in Ryan Day at this point. I believe in Ryan Day. He's going to be able to continue to recruit Ohio, get those kids staying there that Urban Meyer built, and, and just keep rolling. So, And their schedule, honestly, like I don't think it's that difficult right off the top. Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, Indiana, Miami of Ohio, yeah. Nebraska. 5-0. So, <laughs> pencil in the 5-0 start right there. I believe in the Buckeyes to kind of go back again and play Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. That would be fun. It's a clean sweep of the over as well. Uh, just, just They're Ohio State. They're a machine. They're they, a, they are a machine. They are a machine. Well, guys, that's our first Spoko radio for Blackheart Gold Pants. Any other final thoughts before we wrap things up? I'm excited for the over-under to win totals of our division next week. That should be exciting. I think uh, 
we're gonna have, we might have some differences. I because I I believe in I think I believe in one or two teams that you guys will not, and it might be vice versa. So yeah, like Illinois. I, I definitely don't believe in Illinois. I'll tell you that that a little tease. I, I hate Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> little tease. <laughs> Uh, no, for me, I think eventually after that, too, to keep people in here, the third week we'll probably do some over-unders and um, on actual like Iowa players and their stats. Nate Stanley going over 30, Nate Stanley being a first one-and-a-half, being drafted in one-and-a-half rounds. Something like that. Give me, like, round six, but okay. Wow. That's I mean, I hope he's round one, but he hasn't shown me anything yet. He needs to show me. This is so, good. It's good. so as you can see, it's going to be fun. Stick around. Bear with us as we kind of get back up to speed in the podcasting game. And uh, we'll see you guys. We'll talk to you guys again next week. For Jared, for Champ, I'm DC. Go Hawks. Trick or treat, Iowa City. (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.